Hello and welcome. You're listening to Agronomy and Economy from NDSU Extension. I'm Ryan Beto, an NDSU Extension Cropping System Specialist, and joining me is Dr. David Ripplinger, an Assistant Professor in the Department of Agribusiness and Applied Economics at North Dakota State University and the state's bioenergy and bioproducts economist. Today we have Brian Hansen with us. Uh, Brian is the re- research agronomist for NDSU at the Langdon Research Extension Center. How are you doing, Brian? Doing fine. So how long have you been working for NDSU up at the Langdon Research Center? Well, I've been here. I'm on my 37th year up here at Langdon. So I came right out of uh, grad school out of Oklahoma State. I obviously like what I'm doing since I'm still here and uh, enjoying uh, looking at different things over the years. Are you from down that way, Brian? Or, or? No, I'm originally from uh, Litchfield, North Dakota, down okay. Valley City. Yep, you bet. So I'm a native North Dakotan. Good. Well, I'm glad we kept you. I was going to say if we stole you, that'd be just as good, too. It was, wasn't too bad down there. It got a little too hot in the summertime for me, though. <laughs> but, well, made up in the wintertime, though. So. How long have you been doing him? Oh, <clears throat> well, <clears throat> started in 2015. As you know, uh, Dr. Burton Johnson's been the head of the HAMP program, and he's kind of been working on it since 98, trying to get a license from the DEA and going through all that rigmarole. And finally, he did get a license, and we got approved to grow HAMP. And it was decided uh, quite a while ago that the first place that HAMP was going to be grown was going to be in Langdon. I'm not exactly sure why. So we were the chosen one. So uh, when we found out we were going to grow hemp, it was like, well, nobody in the U.S. is growing hemp. I don't know anything about hemp. So we went across the border. To, I found some contacts up there and I learned a lot, especially from uh, Jeff Kostchuk from HGI now. He was working with uh, some of the production centers up there with the government beforehand. And Went up there, planted, went up there that year, and uh, he gave us the whole rundown, machinery, and how to do plot research in hemp, and that was kind of the start of it. What was the first kind of hemp research, talking variety trials? Yeah, the very first thing, uh, we had some help from a a lady up there, Andrea Herman, who, um, um, she had a lot of contacts. She's been in the hemp business for many years, and so she really provided the seed help, Burton and I, got seed from France and got some from Canada and she knew all the, the routine to get it across the border. It was a big deal. And, uh, we had, uh, rules to follow and, uh, basically just, we wanted to see what it looked like, what it grew like, you know, we'd never seen it in a flat situation like that. So that, that was the very beginning with a hemp trial and, and we've expanded a little bit since then. I suppose, uh, since, Green up in Langdon, I'm guessing that's not the first oil seed that you've worked with. Then, though. No, actually, canola, way back when I started, canola was basically called rapeseed, and uh, Bob Nowatsky up here was the superintendent, and he got it going. He had an interest in it, and we had, uh, uh, it was called rapeseed trials back there. And, uh, of course, right now, Langdon, or Cavalier County, is the highest producer of canola in the state. And uh, it's a big deal up here. So, yeah, we've uh, worked with quite a few oilseed crops and soybeans are creeping into our area, too. So, so the, the trials you first did, Brian, those were grain and fiber hybrid varieties? Yeah, the first year, the <clears throat> most ones from Canada were mostly grain types. So, one we got from France were more uh, fiber types. And then we just tested those for one year 
you know, there's really, as you know, no fiber market and it doesn't look like there's going to be any there. People keep trying, but even Canada's had it for 20 years and they really don't really have a fiber market. So we decided to concentrate more on the grain. Um, the first few years we did take uh, samples, um, like get a gross uh, tonnage of how much we could get off uh, the various varieties. We didn't do that last year. And in a good year, you can get, um, you know, six, 7,000 pounds of, you know, material off of a plot up here with, uh, with if you're just looking at fiber and, uh, or grain too, you know, a combination, the dual purpose one. So, and after that, we've, we expand a little bit. Um, one thing we learned right away is uh, hemp doesn't come out of the ground very easily. It has a very high mortality rate, and that's pretty universal across any other information I've seen. So we've kind of in investigated some of that as well. well. I was gonna say, Ryan, in your in your bulletin, you guys have tested out test out germination rate. Is that? Yeah, that's definitely a very important uh, step that a producer is going to need to take. Is uh, you know, do your typical ragdoll germ test to start with. And from what, you know, it kind of sounds like maybe you should do that germ test in some soil just to see if it has some vigor to get to get through that. Um, so it's not always just a germination issue, but it's... Yeah, a lot of times we'll get, most of the germinations, you know, first year off certified are 90%, but the field, or even I learned that from uh, the Canadians up there, they, you want to shoot for 12 seeds per square foot, and then they add 25% on, onto that because just mortality. So we're planting 16 seeds per square foot. We haven't done any uh, seeding rate trials here, uh, but we have done, we just finished three years of uh, planting date um, trials. And then uh, along with that, we had included some seed treatments. And I know Burton did, uh, was involved with a national uh, trial last year with seed treatments. And basically any seed treatment we've used it's very little or no effect on the uh, emergence. So uh, there's more going on. It just may be a weak emerger. So any kind of soil problems, crusting or anything like that, it's just hard to come out of the ground. How so do you kind of, or go ahead. I was just going to say on, on the, the, the planting date thing, I mean, what have you guys found? I mean, a, well, lot, of, a lot of variation, a good oh, lot of this. I guess we've generally planted a little bit after May 20th and and up to the 20th of June about some of those dates. The dates vary, you know, between the years, but generally if um, the last week of May or, you know, after the 20th up to the maybe the first week of June or up to the June 10th, typically saw the high seals. When you drop down to the 20th, 25th of June, we did see a drop off of, of yield in all three years. So it's pretty consistent with um, other data and research, at least we've seen out of the Canadian side. Obviously there's not a been, basically any work you do right now in the US is new work because it hasn't been grown for you know 70 years, but out of the Canadian side, which we're pretty close to it, it follows that quite well. So. Were there any issues with um, you know some early frost in the fall or anything like that with those later planting dates? Um, well, the three years we tested it, uh, we were actually, actually didn't run into that problem. Um, there's some tolerance in the, you know, depends on, you know, obviously if it's a hard killing frost and even in the spring, uh, um, hemp does have some uh, tolerance, but if you're planting it too early, what you're getting is more extra growth. 
up to a point and not extra yield because it's, you know, it's short day plant. So it doesn't flower till sometime after 21st June after it gets a certain stage at least. So you're just getting more height. So if you're looking for fiber, maybe plant a little bit or earlier would be a little bit better than planting if you're looking just for grain. So I remember seeing some pictures a few years ago of men in black showing up in Langdon. I just oh. kind of want to ask you about how, how regulation has changed since 2010 yeah. when you guys first started. Well, that was pretty interesting. Uh, you know, we were kind of the, the guinea pig, so we had to keep our seed in a, a locked, um, like in a file or something, in a locked building, a lock in a lock. So we found a place for that. And then, uh, yeah, the DEA came and visited us uh, one summer, checked us out. If we had the seed in the right place, ask questions. And well, they came the following year too. And I happened to be out in the field and uh, had to, uh, was directing some fertilizer applications. So Randy, our director was the lucky one who uh, had asked a lot of questions. And I'd marked down how much seed we had down to the gram. And sure enough, they wanted to look at that. And they even went out and weighed some. And so, I mean, we passed all the tests, but now with another farm farm bill, it's you know um, we just we still keep it under lock and key and stuff like that, but it's not quite as much uh, uh, overhead site looking at us from the DEA on down. So um, a couple of interesting things we have found. Um, Twenty sixteen was a very uh, wet year, and you've probably seen some of the data where I usually put our plant um, our trials. It was pretty typical. It was a little bit lower, but in July we had a uh, you know seven inches of rain and it was just sloppy and and the hemp just started growing. So in August, when it should have been six feet tall, it was barely up to my knee. Oh wow! So I'm not a tall guy, but that's still not very very tall. So we had to abandon our trials and actually the first planting that year um, we couldn't. Some of the we had canola fields for foundation and couldn't get into it, so this was on our land. We had called in a plane to spray some of it and it was almost a quarter mile away. We had a light wind in the wrong direction and sure enough, it, it zapped the hemp. So uh, people out there raising hemp, you know, there's, there's a few Roundup Ready acres here in the state. So you have to be very careful or wherever your neighbor, even a slight drift could cause some pretty significant or even uh, ruin your, ruin your crop. Have you noticed any issues with uh, insect or disease and any recommendations maybe on how to help fight those issues? Well, we always see a fair amount of insects out there and I think that's been noted before, but I can't see I, I've seen anything that um, caused damage. You know, there's some aphids and you see, you know, various insects out there. I guess I'm not the entomologist to name them all. But I don't think that's a problem. We have seen uh, white mold. Um, I can't remember. I think that was in 2017. We probably saw the most of that. And that was just an occasional plant. Sometimes you'd see a whole head, you know, that affected it, something like a sunflower. And sometimes you just see it a little bit lower on in the stock. So, and obviously right now with no fungicides or any, any kind of pesticide, you can apply to it. But I don't think I'd be too concerned, even if you have you know, some canola and stuff in there, it's not gonna, it's gonna be lower on the totem pole or how it affected. So still be aware of it, but I won't get too excited about it right now. 
where we're on the uh, plot size, you know, it's, we're a little different than the field scale, right? Right. Uh, um, we usually have a bit more diverse rotations on our on our plots. What what uh, do you try to follow when you're um, putting together a hemp plot? I generally probably wouldn't put it on canola because some of the reason canola it's a very good crop, but uh, for guys up here it can be it's it's quite a weed. The next two or three years, the seeds stay hard. You even go down to uh, the valley there, and they got canola along the sides of the roads. The trucks have gone by, and it's somehow gotten out, and it's a it's a problem down there, like in their sugar beet fields and things like that. So, I'd stay, you know, try to stay in the cleanest fields you can, and you don't have volunteers in it. Um, there's mention sometimes of having wheat, volunteer wheat, if you're going organic or gluten free, to uh, maybe avoid something like that. And so we usually stick to uh, stuck to soybeans in, in our rotation here at the station. And maybe uh, a barley we have in the past so far. Yeah, we had a field day last July, Brian, and there were a whole lot of folks who came out. Yeah. Um, a lot of interest, is that kind of what you're seeing and hearing for hemp in, in, in your part of the state? Well, actually, um, a lot of people came probably weren't exactly from our heart, part of the state. I don't think there's a hemp field been grown in Cavalier County yet, and we, mm -hmm. we started all here. But uh, but there's some scattered fields here and there. I guess like um, maybe uh, it's mentioned before. Some of these guys just like to see where it's going, <laughs> and uh, don't want to get too involved with it. Some guys are maybe like to push the easy button better you know it's you know easier or, or things they're more familiar with and uh, but I think there's definitely oppor opportunity out there and we've gotten some good yields we've had yields up to 1500 1800 pounds an acre but we've definitely seen the last two years although it's been wet in many parts of the states we've had kind of a dry spot up here and uh, some of our yields been more uh, 900 to a thousand pounds so water Water is very important. So, you know, people in West, Western North Dakota or Montana, you know, they're obviously going to have some lower yields just because uh, uh, hemp does like its water to get good growth and uh, production. Do you think being close, I mean, there's a lot of uh, hemp production and then processing just north of the border. Do you, you kind of get that feel just being in Langdon? I mean, being closer to it than the rest of the state? Well, <clears throat> I know some guys who have raised some in Pamina County. They they've actually I think marketed some of theirs up in in the plant just south of south of Winnipeg. Um, but other than that, um, even in Mon in Manitoba, I remember years earlier you'd go up there once in a while and you'd see hemp fields and just north of the border here you don't see quite all that many hemp fields. I think it's you see it more like in the western part of Manitoba and a little bit further north and not so much. In the valley, at least when I've been up there, I haven't really seen too much hemp. So um, I don't know how much influence, um, as far as you know, farmers are growing or interest from the Canadian side is is spilling over here or not. So the the price, I mean, the yield is definitely a big part of it. But uh, you know, there's some economics to growing hemp and. Um, how does your work kind of tie into you know economic considerations for Growing well, I guess uh, I'm not the economist, but <laughs> usually you can take your uh, bulk yield and uh, 
you know, and, and get a price with that, you know, the first couple of years, you know, the price was, was pretty good. And then it's dropped down to 50 cents and 40 cents. So um, depending on the price of the other crops, it's, you know, it's not like the CBD where um, if you do it right you can get the market and it doesn't crash on you and you can make some big bucks, but it's, that's almost more like a horticultural crop compared to the, the green side of it. So yeah, we take it into consideration, but I guess I like uh, some of the other guys economics side deal with, with more of that. And we have the numbers, I guess, to, to get some of that information. Well, I just say too, I mean, looking at your, your yield numbers, your trial numbers, like from last year, I mean, in the last few years, I mean, there's certainly, it makes you sit up a little bit. I mean, when you have those, those bumper crops where, I mean, you know, hemp could be a major cash crop, you know, in some of those years. And even in the average years, you know, it pencils out when a lot of things aren't. I mean, obviously, you know, canola is kind of king. Right. But, but you know, it's, it, it's, it's definitely of interest, uh, you know, from, from me looking at it on the, the economic side. Yeah. You know, another thing we've started to the last couple of years is that we've worked with, uh, with the RMA, uh, Burton and I, Burton's had some trials on there too. And, you know, Burton's done hail trials forever on a whole bunch of different crops. But, uh, <clears throat> so we started doing hemp, they want another location. So we've done two years of uh, plant reduction study where we'll have uh, um, three different dates that will pull plants out or clip them off depending on the stage. And then we'll, reduce the population anywhere from 20 to uh, 80%. And the first two years, we haven't really seen too much uh, issue with some of this uh, reduction, uh, up to 60%. You know, you get to the highest one, then you're gonna see some drop in yield. But, you know, hemp does have pretty good uh, ability to compensate. And we noticed that in, uh, in the first year when we had some, well, we planted and then this was a Friday. They said, oh, it might rain on Saturday. Yeah, we got two inches like in an hour and a half and this major crust. We, we had to replant, but we only had, uh, we had about 90% mortality. But then the other side where we had some, uh, we planted a little bit earlier, we were still getting, oh, six to eight plants per square foot, which is maybe half what you're shoot, shooting for. And we still got those good yields, you know, over 1,000, 1,200 pounds. So it does have the ability to compensate, put out some other, some more heads and auxiliary buds. And uh, that's something being aware of. But uh, back to the hail, this year we're gonna start some more work, um, some smart plots with RMA, just looking at going through at different stages and just bending the, the stock over and uh, maybe cutting some off with both on a green side and a little bit smaller try looking at a forage you know, you harvest that so much earlier and uh, just see what kind of response uh, you would get. So I know there's some um, um, hail, our, our hail contract or not hail, but um, crop insurance. But a lot of it, what I understand is based on other crops like sunflowers. So they don't have a lot of good uh, solid background information on that. With, with your, your trials and all of your, your research in the past, THC, has that ever been an issue? Um, we had our first hot variety last year, actually uh, came out of Washington. It was kind of on the edge, 0.3. And then it came and we had it at five stations. Orion, you had it down there too. And yep. it came back about 0.6. So it was very late. So by the time we had to destroy it, the frost 
had practically destroyed it anyway. So, but other than that, all the other lines we have had, um, especially the lines from Canada, you know, they've been tested so thoroughly up there. Um, not too worried about that. It's some of these ones in, in Colorado, Washington, that kind of, uh, we need to be more on the lookout. And then we work with obviously Department of Ag on testing procedures and things to make sure we're on the up and up on testing our lines, even on our small plots. That's what we're here for, right? We're supposed to be the guinea pigs. So right. definitely gotta be careful with those varieties for hemp. So. Yeah, we don't want a farmer to get caught planting a whole bunch of acres and all of a sudden you gotta destroy it. So better not to be close to the edge or be always there, you got a little room to play with. And environment does cause some differences with that, I've read, but uh, it was pretty consistent across our state in the different environments yesterday, or last year. So. With that, uh, I guess, do you have any final takeaways that you like? To... Well, I'm sure when I get done here, I said, oh, I should have said something about that. But, you know, there's always another uh, time to discuss that stuff. And uh, you could go on. There's so many things to talk about hemp. But uh, it's kind of an introduction. There's a lot of things to, uh, from pre-planting all the way up to harvest and after how to deal with it. So there's a lot of things people need to understand and know what they're getting into before they decide to plant the crop. Contracts, got to have a contract. Big thing. All right. All right, Dave? <laughs> yep. Definitely, definitely do your marketing homework first. Right. I think that's uh, probably about it for now. All right. Well, thanks for visiting with us, Brian, and um, have a good one. Okay. Thank you much. Bye. Bye.